0: hey what's up everyone welcome to the sales empowerment podcast my name sean winters i'm the co-founder and chief marketing officer of optonal and i have a few uh fine gentlemen here with me today i'll let them both introduce themselves probably start with uh mike and then we can head to our our guest of honor
1: Yeah, Mike Miranda, co-founder and CEO of Optonal, uh, one of the co-hosts of the Sales Empowerment Podcast. Super stoked to have Emilio on, but uh, Emilio, I'll let you introduce
2: yourself. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Sean, for having me on. uh, September 1st, 1st of the month, Q3. Exciting times, guys. Um, As Sean said, my name's Emilio. I'm the Senior BDR Manager over here at Sigma Computing. We are a 300-person startup based in San Francisco. Um, And my responsibility is I manage our Um, enterprise business development team. So a team of 11 BDR reps.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And just for everybody's uh, um, uh, understanding, I know Emilio, we went to a small college in the Bay Area called Menlo College. Um, And it usually overshadows another uh, uh, college over there called Stanford. But, you know, we don't have to talk about that right now. Um, but we played football together at Menlo College, and that's how that's how I know him. And we're really happy to have him on. Um, I guess like I'll kick it off. Like, Emilio, this this podcast is all about sales empowerment, right? We feel very strongly that salespeople can be more than a quota, more than a number. They can they can do more for themselves and learning how to do sales better, more for their teams at their companies, yeah, and more for their company overall. Like, how do you think about like sales empowerment and like, like, what do you think about like where that's going, that movement?
2: Yeah, when it comes to sales empowerment, right, from a leadership and from like an individual contributor perspective, right, um, at the end of the day, it's all about relationship building, right, building trust with your prospects, um, having your BDR team, your people that report into you, having their trust and having their, you know, buy it into what you're training them and what you're kind of bringing to the table as a leader, right? Um, So when it comes to sales empowerment, uh, my biggest philosophy is, you know, Don't always talk about what you do at Sigma. Don't always talk about, you know, your product to the prospect, right? You don't do anyone a service of talking about, showing up to the call, thinking you know their pains and challenges, right, before even asking what they're focused on, what are their priorities, what are their initiatives, right? Um, and people are always curious-minded, right? People love correcting people as well, so if you come in and try to try to have a good understanding of what they are in their personas, what does their day-to-day look like, uh, what type of tools do they use, right, and make kind of assumptions and ask questions, surface-level questions around that specific persona, then you'll have more of a conversation versus just talking about you, talking about Sigma, talking about your product, whatever it may be, right? And at the end of the day, sales empowerment is just having conversations with your prospects, and that ties it right back into building trust, right? Building a rapport and making it conversational, free-flowing at the end of the day, right? And that goes into cold calling, it goes into discovery calls, right? That whole old dilemma of showing slide decks doing a discovery call going through your product slides this is what we do this is our history this is you know what we do in your industry slide by slide it doesn't do anyone you know the benefit of you know having that free-flowing talk track of understanding their pains their challenges of what they're currently looking to achieve within their current initiatives and goals and their role at their company right so i think that's where the industry is shifting towards and when it comes to sales empowerment that's the training and the onboarding process of, of what most leads are teaching their reps nowadays, is to understand their industry trends, their ICPs, and just be a persona expert, right? At the end of the day, you have to know your personas. All, all, everything else you know, fall in line once you're able to talk about your product and how it helps that particular person in their current role, in their vertical, at their company. Man, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff in there. One, a lot of, one, break, a lot of things to uncover, I know. But you know, it's <laughs> such a broad topic. Sales empowerment, right? Oh, and yeah. it is. It is. You know, not necessarily a universal term just yet, right? So a lot of people can articulate it and translate that back in many different you know verbiages and different ways, right? So that's the way I look at it. And you can slice and dice it and break that all up into three different questions and answers, right? So that's the way I kind of look at it. Just coming off the top.
1: No, it's, and I, I think that's the the cool thing about it is really just understanding how, how people are thinking about it, like what comes to mind, how you're interpreting that, because I think it's different things. And one like interesting, there's a lot of interesting things that stood out to me, but one thing that kind of triggered a thought for me initially was uh, the building, building trust. And then you mentioned uh, the BDRs that are directly reporting to you, building trust with you and their manager. And like, for me, as an IC, that was always super important. Like, I I think about, like, the advocacy piece of a manager, the coaching aspect, and then overall, just, like, skill set and, like, people management, right? Like, I might need a therapist one day, I might need an advocate to go to bat for me, because I'm not in those VP meetings. And then there's some of the coaching where, like, I'd like to know that, like, we can, you know, at the end of the day, you could come in here and, like, like, I want to have confidence in your, in your skill set as a manager to do it, but I'm curious, how do you think about, like, building trust with those ICs, uh, with coming in as, uh, from a leadership perspective?
2: Yeah, so I've been at Sigma Computing for five months now. This is going on to my second quarter, right? My first month, right, of course I'm spending a lot of time in my own enablement, understanding our product, understanding our personas, our customer stories, our use cases, right? Everything I see or a leader should be doing in their first three weeks at a company, right? Um, but not only that, it's also, you know, understanding my team's behaviors. Right? So, my first month, I was listening to a lot of Gong recordings, looking at their emails, looking at their wins. Like, where were they getting a lot of their wins from, from an individual standpoint? And, you know, once I know, like, they know what good is, right? The enterprise BDRs, they got promoted from commercial to senior roles to BDR, enterprise BDR roles. Um, so, a lot of the time, it's just coaching towards their behaviors of where they're having success around, whether it's emails, LinkedIn, um, per- personalized emails video outreaches, right? And also just coaching my, putting my own nuance onto those behaviors, right? So I could build off what they're currently doing where they're having success versus trying to reinvent a whole wheel, bring in a whole new process, whole new messaging, whole new talk track, right? So it's really just, you know, adding my expertise and coaching towards those certain areas that they're having success. Some of those areas that I see a lot more development around from an individual standpoint, that's where I could come in and bring where my team has had success or myself as a BDR has had success, right? And also referencing other BDRs that are doing this a certain way, having them spend time with them in their strengths, complementing the areas that they're trying to capitalize on so they can learn from one another. And it just makes it more of a of a culturalized environment where everyone can lean on one another. Meanwhile, I'm getting a buy-in for myself because I know what good is for them. I know where they have success and I can put my own spin and nuance towards those areas to help elevate in all ways of optimizing their prospect and methods.
0: Yeah, you. So, that, so how you build that trust with these, you know, your SDRs, your BDRs on your team and how do you coach them to uh, connect and, and build that trust with prospects when a lot of the time they're just cold calling. Like how do you how do you do that? And it's a really tough thing to cold call. So how do you how do you teach them and coach them around building trust with prospects?
2: Yeah, well it's I break it up in three parts, right? Every cold call, you have the intro, the hook, and then the close, right? Um, Really, just dissecting it one by one, right? If I'm looking at a Gong recordings, right, of you know their success, um, whether it's booked meetings, whatever it may be, those folks that have the tonality, have the pace, they're very comfortable on the phones. I'm focusing more on like the step three, the close, right, because a lot of times they have ten minute, eight minute, twelve minute conversations with prospects. So it instantly tells me, okay, this my BDR knows, you know, the personas. They know how to have conversations with our particular verticals and prospects, right? But then what's happening where past the seven minutes why are we talking to them for 10 15 plus minutes right at the end of the day a lot of times they're going to tell the bdr oh just send me an email i'll love to review this email you told me everything about your product what you guys do have all the information thank you very much i'll look at your website right essentially everything we're talking about the prospects is, is on our website there's so much free content out there of if they wanna learn what my company does, they could go to a website, read use cases, case studies, whatever it may be. So it's really honing in on, you know, where I see kind of the gaps in their methods of cold calling, right, in their practices and focusing more on that criteria of, okay, it's more around assuming the sale, assuming the close, right? Assumptive closing, self-deprecation, right? Um, And moving more into like, you know, having that hard close and call to action. When you summarize and get an agreement, Putting time on the calendar right versus having that five seven other you know know, minutes of a conversation that's really unnecessary right um and then at the other side of the spectrum more in the beginning if they're you know a lot of times getting objections in the first 30 seconds it's like what are we what are we how are we breaking the ice with the prospect right i'm a big fan of permission based opener right hey i know we're gonna expect my call sean do you mind if i just take a few seconds to tell you why i'm calling you can let me know if it makes sense to chat Right. Those 30 seconds are crucial, right? That whole permission-based opener. I'm a fan, it's gonna work nine, time out, nine times out of 10, right? You need to have the pace tonality to do it. Um, and once you make it past that, then it's talking about you know their priorities. Um, we teach a priority drop, right? And in that priority drop, you're ta- not talking about your product. We're not pitching in the first 60 seconds of a cold call, right? You talk about that persona, these are their priorities, and redirect with the question. Like, what is your team focused on, Mike? Once you talk about, you know, what priorities that persona is focused on. And from there you proceed into step two, which is the hook, which is question stacking, doing more surface level questions, and then going into like an industry use case, how we help similar companies like themselves in their industry, and then eventually step three, the close, right? So really breaking up into in three segments there, step one, step two, step three. And, you know, you really can tell just by like I said, coaching towards the behaviors of the areas that certain BDRs need the most work around and getting getting them all the way through, you know, that seven minute close cycle of the <laughs> conversations. So they're not essentially talking themselves out of a meeting, right? Yeah. I think yeah. it's very important to identify what part of the conversation they need, a, you know, they need more coaching and training around and leveraging other BDRs to do so as well, right? Because everyone has their strengths in where they succeed over the phone, if someone is very unorthodox, use their humor, use their behavior to talk to prospects, talk to personas, that's not always, you know, that, that you can't always replicate that across the team, right? Everyone has their yeah. own nuances. Everyone has their own behaviors on cold calls. So it's really understanding what they do great and in putting my own spin on it and helping them coach them along the way to help them close within that, you know, less time than needed per se, right?
0: Yeah. It's, in, it's yeah. interesting because when I was an SDR, I was always I realized like I'm just optimizing for getting meetings, like setting meetings with the ideal customer persona. And I like my call, probably average call time was like really short. But then I had a, a, I didn't really wanna be on a call for more than five minutes, right? Because at that point, yeah, I am giving myself an opportunity to be disqualified by them going, hey, this was a great conversation, but you know, send me something, right? And like I had, colleagues that could do that but i was just like why would i do that when the whole goal is to move them along in the process um that's something that really i think like it's going to be on a per person basis but i like how you're talking about where to coach based off of that
2: Mm -hmm. right at the end of the day sean right you're you're selling you're selling the value not selling the solution right it's like sending a blind date up for your account executive you're gonna hype them up like, hey, this is what Sean's gonna share with you on this call. We're gonna talk about industry insights around how are helping healthcare leaders like yourself be able to achieve you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, would you have some availability next week to chat? Do you have your calendar handy on you, right? Um, you're hyping up your account executive. This is everything you're gonna learn. This is the insights, educational conversation you're gonna learn by talking to my you know, solutions architect, proposing in a way of like, you'll see value in this call based off what you guys are currently doing today, based off the industry trends that we're seeing within your specific vertical. In addition, we'll share with you how we're helping folks like yourself with this particular use case be able to do, you know, A, B, and C. And then assuming the close right there, right? Um, versus solution features, features, features. A lot of times you're going to get a lot of objections. Hey, that's great, Mike. Just send me an email. Take a look at this. They got all the information they need. Um, but hey, you know, we, we do work on that as well. I send Mike an email. I'm going to follow, follow, follow up reach back out, call them every, maybe every other week, and most likely or not, hopefully get a meeting with them eventually, right? But why do that when we could just focus more on the meeting, selling the meeting versus selling a solution, right?
0: Emilio, you have how many S- or BDRs on your team right now?
2: So I have a team of 11 BDRs, 11 enterprise BDRs, a total team of about 30 BDRs encompassing enterprise and commercial reps. But we do okay. have four managers that, you know, spread out of the management within our, you know, big pot of our team of BDRs here.
0: Yeah. One thing that you mentioned um, along with like – and this is something that Mike and I have been hearing as we're engaging, let's say, specifically with like SDR leaders. Similar to how sales leaders break down the different deal stages of a sales cycle, sales leader, or SDR leaders are starting to be more – uh, identifying the specific stages in the cold call in which their sales reps, their SDRs, BDRs aren't converting, and it sounds like you know there's a there's a bunch of different ways of going about that and like how you break down the cold call. But and another thing we've heard is also that that it's you know you have 11 BDRs, there's that's a lot of one on one time, that's a lot of coaching time. So like, how are you currently? identifying the areas in which you coach like you talked about intro you talked about i think it was the value prop and then the close like what how are you knowing per rep where to coach them
2: yeah great question sean um it's really about you know leveraging your tools you have right so for lack of better terms, like auditing their performance, right? Like what leads are they sequencing and outreach? Are they sticking to the specific personas that are meant for this particular sequence of messaging, right? Um, That's when it comes to emails, messaging, personalization via, you know, sequencing and outreach per se, right? And then you have Gong, which you could use to look at from individual standpoint of what is this BDRs, you know, talk track, and I could I I create tags within Gong as well that can filter it out around objection handling, filter out um, around like talking about your solution versus talking about their priorities. Um, And from there, I could identify, okay, where is this exact BDR having the most struggles with when it comes to objections? Why is this person not converting their calls into meetings, right, when it's five-plus minutes long? And from there, that's how I know, Sean, I could dissect it by, okay, we need to focus more on objection handling, assuming the close, step three, versus, like, if you're not making it past one minute, where is the step one, the first 60 seconds, falling off, right, permission base, brush-off objection, um, you know, proceeding, without, you know, getting interrupted by the prospect and not having them kind of having a moment of pause where they give them out to just hang up or saying right now is not the best time. So, you know, highly encourage uh, if, if leaders do have gong, it's, it's the Bible of choice, right? This is how we could look at where we need to dissect and address it, not just from an individual standpoint, from, but from as a team as well, or in your team meetings, you could address, you know, the common objections and have more of like a training session around that as a theme for a meeting, right? So everyone's kind of enabled and everyone can Do you look
0: at, do you look at like the individual, like, is there like an average call time that you have? And you're like, okay, Mike hasn't you know, Mike has an average call time when he connects with somebody at 10 minutes and he's not hitting his quota and he's not converting connected calls to, to meeting set. Is that how you look at it? Um, and then you'd be like, oh, he, we need to work on the, the closing and asking for the meeting.
2: Yeah. So our average calls are about eight minutes long, right? Um, it's about eight minutes long because, you know, a lot of times, you know, as, as our BDrs are talking to prospects, right, we're talking about customer use cases, a customer story, right, and then tying that back into what they're currently doing today. It's more around the why people use Sigma, how how a similar person in your industry uses Sigma, right. So that whole storytelling is going to arise questions from the prospect, right, of of just like, okay, oh, tell me more about this, or how are you guys different than a BI solution like Tableau or Power BI. So that conversation definitely carries, and like I said, it's a conversation, right? So as we're conversating with them, it is going to get carried out. They're going to be asking, you know, us surface level questions as we're giving them explanations and elaborating further around a specific industry use case. Um, so, you know, identifying what is what is the success ratio of the talk track to listen, right? Um, we see, you know, thirty uh, percent of the prospect talking and 70% of the BDR talking as the average successful ratio of a talk to listen ratio, according to Gong stats, right? Um, some BDRs, not just on my team, but you know, out there as well, you'll see ratios that are crazy, like 80 to 10% or 80 to 20%, right? 90 to 10% of you talking versus you listening to what they have to say, right? So it's, um, it, it is a challenge, right, because You know, as a sales rep, um, you have a conversation, you always wanna carry it out, you always wanna elaborate once you see kind of it and you see a level of interest of what they're asking you and you wanna kind of over explain it to an extent, right? And as we all say, talking yourself out of a meeting is such a true thing as we see in sales reps, not just BDRs, but even AEs on discovery calls as well, right? So just keeping it short and like having a time check with yourself of you know pausing when you think you're going you know carrying out the conversation just too long and then assuming the sale hey does this all make sense mike yeah do you need to elaborate further on what we talked about regarding your current use case around providing more insights to your business users without relying on ad hoc requests or whatever it may be right so um that self-deprecation is important where you realize hey i'm talking a lot maybe i need to redirect with a question here Right? And that's how we culture BDRs to kind of get back on track and work more towards that close, like I mentioned in step three.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting, man, because I think about like a couple things you mentioned was just how important it is now for people to know their personas. Right. Because it's less, um, you know, I, I there's people that won't use the word cold call, even though it's literally a cold call. But because they're like, no, we know the persona well enough to where this isn't cold. This is actually warm right? Whatever. I have my gripes with that. It's a, it's a cold call. They don't expect your calling. They don't know who you are at the end of the day. But I do think that if you know, if you're so dialed in on your persona, like I think like for me as an SDR, I knew so well what our persona was, uh, at GitLab, I would just optimize for a meeting. Like my calls were like two minutes three minutes, five minutes, if I got into a long conversation, like, hey, what's the difference? Like, I'd have a one-liner about what our difference is between our top competitors. And then it's like, look, I would love to tell you more. I'm not the expert, actually. That's actually the reason I was calling to set you up with Emilio, who's going to walk you through it. Like, what's a good day next week? Right? Like, Mm -hmm. I would kind of optimize for how do I get to that first? Like, I was like, I'm going to anticipate a couple no's here. So I Listen, I know Emilio's gonna be a great fit for my product based on all of these other customers that we work with. Like I'm, I have a 90% confidence level. And guess guess what, if you miss, you know, I don't know, one out of 10, not bad, right? So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, for me, it's, it's interesting because it's thinking like, you know your persona so well, when you almost like know so much about the product, you, you get excited about sharing that information, getting, you know, but at the end of the day, it's like, are we optimizing for a meeting or are we optimizing? And, and sometimes, you know, you have to tweak the level up to say, hey, we need it to be a little bit more qualified than just the meeting with Amelia. Like, we need a little bit more information. So I guess on the persona piece, do you all have, and I know you mentioned some of the reps have different styles and it's just hard to replicate style-wise, but do you all have, like, um, you talked about the question stacking and, and priorities with different personas and, like, having that level of understanding. So do you have, like, talk tracks, that you're able to replicate and then people can kind of use those talk tracks with their style and
2: kind of their delivery? 100%, Mike, yeah, spot on there. And that took, you know, months in progress to spending time with SC, spending time with my enablement team, spending time with some some of our enterprise account executives, right, because they're at the front lines talking to these ICPs, talking to these customers and personas. Um, But yes, we have talk tracks, we call them cold call frameworks. It's not a script, right? A script is, hey Mike, you have to say these lines word by word, you gotta go from A to B. No matter what they tell you, stay on this script, right? That's an old dilemma. A lot of times, you know, it's gonna come off very robotic. You're gonna talk, be talking about your features, what you do as a company, right? Um, it's Just not gonna work. Um, so what we use is a framework, right? A framework, think of it like a GPS, right? You're going from A to B. No matter what wrong turn you take, Mike, it'll bring you back on track based off the conversation you're having, based on the wrong, mm-hmm. you know, messaging or portraying you're doing. Right, it'll bring you back to where you need to get to. Right. So that's kind of how we lay it out from step one to step three when it comes to the intro hook and close. Um, and yes, we have one for every single persona as well. Being that persona expert, be, having that curious tone, curious mind when you're talking to that persona is the most important thing. As you're, you know, articulating and talking with your prospects using this framework, right? Um, for instance, we have some of our three personas: is product product managers. Um, we have data analytics people, data engineers, and then we have BI business intelligence personas, right? For the business personas, just to kind of run you through what we do with the framework, right? When I talk about priority drop, as I've kept referencing in this uh, podcast today, it's basically once you make it past the permission-based opener. Like, yeah, sure, Mike, you have 30 seconds. What do you have to say? Great, awesome, Mike. Hey, I speak to a lot of BI analytics leaders like yourself at similar verticals, you know, around your size in the healthcare industry. And they're typically focused on one of three things. Correct me if I'm wrong. Number one it's just saving time for their BI and data teams. Number two is just giving the business a more real-time and accurate view of their data. And lastly, just increasing adoption of the tools they're using. I'm curious, Mike, I don't want to make any assumptions, but are you guys focused on any of those three things right now?
0: Powerful.
2: Right. And Sick. people love correcting people, right, Mike? So even if I drop those priorities and I'm wrong, they're gonna tell me why I'm wrong. Like, no, Mike, we actually have all that handle. We're using a tool called Power BI to do that. Awesome. They told, you, they told us what tool they're using, essentially a competitor, right? And now we could go into objection handling, which we teach is like empathizing towards a prospect. Hey, sounds like you already have a tool in place. I was actually calling you knowing you're using Power BI. Totally understand if that's the case. <laughs> I am curious if you're willing to share and then go into like the love-hate of the offer, right? Most folks yeah. that use Power BI, you know, they love the visualizations, the static dashboards, but some things they dislike is the lack of ability to go beyond the dashboard, having to predefined requirements upfront. I don't want to make any assumptions, but is this something you already have handled or is this something you're facing today? Right? So Book it. that's a framework. That you can direct it into different ways based off you dropping the priorities on them. I hear in a lot of GOM recordings, once we do the priorities, uh, their, their response is like, yeah, Mike, it's, it's kind of hard not to say all three of those things are what we're focused on today. You're spot on with that. Or they might just pick one, right? Yeah, definitely increasing adoption of the tools we're using is something we're focused on. Awesome. And then we have question stack-ins to ask to dig deeper into you know, what tools are they using today? Where do they see the gap with the, the decrease of utilization within their organization? Um, And then from there, we know how to segment Sigma. When we talk about tie that back in into a similar industry use case into a customer story, less is more, right? And go right into the close after that. So what I hear was repeat back what they said. So we're helping very similar customers, as I mentioned, in the healthcare industry with this exact initiative. The way we do this is, you know, we work with a company called ABC. And the way they use Sigma is to do and it go into the story, right? Go into the use case there.
0: Wow. Impressive.
2: That's, that's yeah. good. And I said, you know, it is, re- it is repetition, right? Um, of course, BDR is gonna start off with these frameworks. They're gonna be reading it off their script, off the printed paper, right? That's totally fine. But definitely that mock calling and that coaching and training going into that live cold calling before, you know, in their first month of, of being on quota is, is so key to have that tonality, to have that pace, right? Clearly, you know, I helped write this framework so I could say like it's the back of my mind and you can't really teach it like, hey, you got to say it in this type of tone and this type of pace, right? So everyone kind of puts their own, I guess, um, personality into these frameworks to make it sound like them, right? The average person needs to say something over 180 times to make it sound human to themselves, right? Just to make it sound like themselves, if you think about 180 times, is not that much, right? I remember when I was a BDR, I used to call my sister and be like, "Hey, Mika, I'm gonna run through the script with you. Tell me if this not, if this does not sound like myself." So, like, all right, go ahead. Hey, this is Emilio with D2IQ. I know respect to my call. Do you mind? she was like, "No, again, again, again," and it just takes a lot of repetition, right? Um, so that's that's the key thing there. You could have the framework. You could have all of this blueprint of success. But if you're not spending time with your people to help coach them on it, to help have them practice with the purpose versus practice it on prospects, right? Essentially mm-hmm. a lot of leaders, all right, go make a hundred cold calls, get the kinks out, get the vibes going, get the juices going, right? That's like telling a Sean, like a BDR, hey Sean, go make a hundred bad calls. Yeah. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna probably get a lot of objections, you're gonna you know fall on your face a few times, but hey, this is all learning, right? Um, so definitely having those mock sessions, getting them out of their shell. And these mock sessions, you have to you know make it very, um, very you know intense, right? You should be setting them up, setting them up of like, hey, we're gonna be throwing you objections here, throwing them off their game, because putting them in that uncomfortable situation is so crucial. Because when they hop on the phone calls, they can realize, oh wow, these prospects are actually nice people. Like these, these guys are, they actually want to talk to me. We're actually having a conversation, right? So you definitely have to challenge them, combat what they say, make them uncomfortable. Um, So by the time they're on the phones, it comes second nature and, you know, they have that confidence to come with it as well.
1: Man, that's, that's so good. I, it's so interesting, man. So it's funny. You mentioned you called your sister. I would call Sean and then our, our buddy, uh, D fish shout out to D fish but uh, he, like, I would the just man. call him all, all the time, right? But here's what I'm curious about is, like, you were, that is a, uh, I don't know if it's a personality thing or a certain driven thing. Like, you may, not, you may not have been in the role given the opportunity to practice that many times. So outside of the role, when you're on your own, you're like, hey, I need to get these reps in. Uh, how do you empower those people, like, within the workday, to get those reps in? Like, is there space to do that? Like, I know there, it sounds like there's the group, there's some group mock calls, but is there space for them to do that individually on their own? Or like, how, how do you, how would you facilitate that
2: or think about that? Yeah, I I think, you know, the best tool you could give any onboarding BDR is just one-on-one time. One-on-one time is the best tool you could ever give a BDR in their first month, two months of onboarding, right? Um, So Definitely having that, you know, coming into the week, all right, I'm gonna set an hour and a half of a block call with my two new PDR reps. I might just pull both of them in a room and we're just gonna give them LinkedIn's, give them personas, all right, I'm this persona, let's do a cold call, right? Um, we, we even do it through outreach as well, where I'll sit in another room, they'll sit in one room and they'll call me through outreach putting in the phone number so it sounds like it's a real life, you know, mock call scenario while they have a mock LinkedIn up in front of them practicing it without myself in the same room as them, right? So putting them in that real life scenario type of situations and then making it a priority, Mike, right? Like this is is their time, right? It's going to help you coach people you know, as you have more and more onboarding reps, you know, coming on board of, you know, what are the common themes of where people struggle with when it comes to the framework, right? And not necessarily iterating on that framework, but really honing in on like, hey, like when it comes to this exact area, this is what we should, this is the way we should say it, this is the pace we should say it, this is when we should ask this question, right? Because there's a lot of same themes when it comes to new BDRs or the areas they struggle with, with the material, with the certain way of prospecting that you, you know, implement in the workflow. So it's just a lot of knowledge when it comes to future reps and building blocks of like how to coach my reps in a certain way. Um, because, like I said, Mike, I only been here for five months, so I'm still learning as I'm coaching my reps as I progress through quarter over quarter and hyperscaling my team as well. Um, but Mike, it's tough, you know, you'll, you could ask a BDR, hey, on your own time, when you go home, practice saying the script over and over again, right? Practice with your girlfriend, practice with your roommates. Um, Sean, like a big attest to this, right, is if if BDRs, if just salespeople in general, if we practice like we did, like for when we had football at Menlo College, Sean, or for all those athletes out there, if you practice as much as you did for your sport, for your hobby, for your, you know, scholarship that you were in college with or high school, whatever it may be, if sales reps did the same exact thing of practicing, being obsessed, like weekend trainings, you know, off-season training, outside of work, out of office hours, training yourself, reading books, getting enabled, um, reading case studies, use cases, right? Then salespeople will be absolute beasts, right? Will just be the most... You know, I guess enabled around every single area because we're spending time practicing like we would for a sport, right? But let's be honest, us sales reps, long day, fifty hours, sixty hour week. Sometimes we come home, you know, <laughs> in the afternoon we crack a beer open, complain about oh man, it was such a rough day. Like wow, like we just reflect on how crazy of a day it was, right? On the weekend, same thing. But if we treat it like we did in our you know growing up playing a certain sport, playing football like me and Sean did then, you know, these reps would be absolute beasts. I would be, all of us on this call will be much more elevated than where we are today, right? But it's just that whole mindset shift of, you know, being all in is something that, you know, definitely needs to resonate with reps of like, are you all in, right? What does all in mean for you, right? How are you using your time during your down hours to enable yourself, right? When you're talking to prospects, they give you a tool that they're using, you're not familiar with it. Are you spending time with your SC, like asking them questions, like, "Hey, this objection I got, is the tool? How do we complement this tool? How do we defer from this tool? Right? Like, taking that next step of educating yourself around the conversations you're having, and you know, also bringing that to the table when you're talking to BDR reps around some objections you're hearing that are more unorthodox, and how can you, you know, help the greater team to get enabled around what you're hearing from the field?
0: Wow. Man. Yeah. I've always, I've always wondered that, like, why do we not like, it's, it's I've, I've heard somebody say it before. It's like, you know, like, Oh, like, a, um, it's just the idea of practice, right? Like a, a doctor that never practiced, right? Like, or a, an air airplane, like uh pilot that never practiced. Like you feel comfortable, but for some reason in sales, we've always been like, yeah, I'll just show up and do it, you know? And, I think I think, like what you said with you know, if we're able to practice, if we're able to understand the power of our words, how we can use those words to ask really great questions, to connect with other people, ultimately, like we're gonna be so successful, not only like professionally but
2: personally as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's there's so much content out there as we know, right? Not just books, but you know, podcasts. HubSpot has a bunch of great blogs around prospecting one-on-one, right? A lot of times when I'm interviewing BDR candidates with no experience, they come in with a lot of knowledge just because they're educating themselves of things that are on the web, of books, right? Podcasts. So like the content that's out there for these new reps, for even reps that want to educate themselves, it was a lot different than even five years ago or even like six years ago, Sean, when we tapped into this industry, right? And, you know, content is unlimited out there which also is kind of a double-edged sword because people to, to you know do research around our company, our competitors, our landscape, that's all free content out there. So sometimes they defer from talking to sales rep, but they can just educate themselves online around what we do, how we, how we differentiate, because all this publication's all out there for everyone to see for free, right? So the education from not only the sales standpoint, but also the prospect standpoint, you know, it, it's just like the evolution of information that's available for people out there is, is somewhat endless. And, you know, people just don't stop educating themselves because the content's free and it's out there. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's interesting too. like the, how do you like, is it a, like you mentioned something, Amelia, we're like, Hey, if you, if you were doing this every day, like you'd be so much more elevated than, than where you are today. Right. And is that a, is that a function of Ambition, lack of ambition, is that a function of you come in to a role, you see a veteran sales rep, they don't do any of that extra stuff. They're obviously crushing it. They're doing all right. Like I'm cool. I don't need to do that. Is it, do we need to have, do we need to tell more stories around how sales has empowered people? And not only just from like sitting in the seat, but if you work hard, if you put in the extra hours, like, not this is not trying to toot my own horn at all, but I think it's a it's a powerful thing that four and a half years ago, I come in as an SDR with no tech background, selling a very technical product, and I'm calling, bugging Sean when he joined the team, I'm bugging D Fish, I'm bugging anyone who will answer the phone, to to work through my talk track, to work through my script so it sounds natural. And now we're here having a conversation on this podcast running this company that's funded by that company's CEO, right? That is not like, not like some, you know, uh, a gift to God or something like that, but there's work you put in work. And so it's like, Hey, this is what's, this is the art of the possible. You Mm -hmm. can sit in a seat and, and, you know, clock in clock out and that's okay. Right. Everyone has their different goals it's fine, but for the people that have these strong ambitions and aren't sure what sales can lead them to, there's all these different avenues, people with different stories, people with different career trajectories that have gone from ICs to managers like, right, like I hear you talking as a manager and the coaching and your passion around coaching and teaching the people and coming up with this priority for like it's it's awesome and it's like where did Amelia learn that? Like at some point he's got to put the work in, to listen to the calls you can come in and just be like, yeah, keep, keep doing what you're doing. I'll, I'll monitor what's going on. And like, you know, if you have a good product, you could probably sit back and not do any coaching, but it's, you know, how, how do you like allow people to see like, Hey, this is what's available if you want it, but this is what it requires. You know, there's some work you got to put, you got to dedicate the same discipline as you did doing, you know, the sports you grew up in, whatever you're passionate about growing up or whatever. It's like, there's hours to be put in. I think it's, you know, I don't know. I guess it's just a question of is that, a, is that an ambition thing or is that we haven't seen as many of the stories of like
2: what's possible? Yeah, um, I think there's two sides to it, right? I think number one for myself is just I've been a part of a lot of great companies and I've been a part of some companies where I had to do everything myself, I had to learn by myself, right? And it's just kind of like a a two-person team, kind of like how it is at Optona right now, right? Like just myself and another VP trying to figure things out, right? Um, but luckily for myself, I'm a part of a company that has, you know, a culture of ambition, a culture of optimized learning, a culture of, you know, leading by example, assuming assuming ownership, right? And I think it comes down from the top of the funnel, from leadership, right? From our C execs, from our CRO, from our VPs, right? And for them to, you know, spend the time with our BDRs to network up, always having that kind of policy of, you know, having those all-hand team meetings where we're talking about where we're going as a company, as a whole, and how impactful the BDR team has been generating pipeline for our sales organization. Like those words of endearment is, it goes so far from a BDR's mind, right? I think for myself, you know, being a part of these startups during the hyper-growth phase, has really put in perspective of like, this is my opportunity, I'm a shareholder in this company, this is how, this is what I need to do to go all in, right? And I think the big awakening part for me, you know, I was at, to IQ, you know, three years ago, um, another DevOps startup in the same space as GitLab as well. And the VP of sales, you know, sat me down and he was just like, Millie, are you all in, right? He saw the potential in me. He noticed I wasn't, you know, working long hours like some of the other BDR reps. I was, like you said, my clocking in, clocking out, hitting my quota, going home, happy myself, right? Um, But that whole all in question he asked me. I was like, of course I'm all in. He was like, are you though? Like, what are you doing to help enable yourself to get ready for the next level, to be a BDR manager, to be an account executive? And that really resonated with me where I'm like, I sit in on my AE calls, but I'm not really listening. I'm taking notes, but I don't really understand what they're talking about. I didn't really have a curious mind into the motions that you know were brought in front of me by leading by example from my account executives, from my managers, right? And that whole mind shift change, Mike, Really turned me on to be, you know, that person who I want to be. Spending time with SEs, getting as enabled around our product as much as possible, understanding my my industries, trends, my ICPS, my personas, and that really elevated me in front of my peers from that conversation I had with my VP of sales going forward. Right, and I'll never forget that day. Um, still to this day, right. Uh, there's, like I said, there's so much content that's out there that you can listen, throw it throw it in while you're commuting to work, whatever it may be, right? Me and Sean always network up all the time. So, you know, it, it is a part of that culture with that company, right? What they drive from the top of the funnel down to their employees, to the ICs, to leadership. Um, but also it's like who you surround yourself surround yourself with as well, right? Um, you know, back in, in office presence, we're, we're 100% back in office and I do think, you know, this is very much conducive into everyone's learnings to being leading by example, having that professional, you know, body language presence in the office goes a long way when it comes to seeing people, you know, how they carry themselves professionally, not just, you know, on online through their pipeline, through their sales force, but actually in person as well. So I think that's been, you know, huge for our company, for my BDRs to have an office presence and to kind of learn from one another by you know, sitting next to each other as peers versus you know just contributing virtually in this somewhat hybrid virtual world now.
0: Yeah, cool, man. Well, I think it's about time to wrap it up here uh, with the Sales Empowerment Podcast. Uh, Emilio, how do how do people get a hold of you? How do you know how do they get in touch with you?
2: Yeah, you can add me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm always down to connect, folks. You know, um, everyone gets prospected on LinkedIn, right? But hey, you know, if if you just send me a note saying like, "Hey, listen to the podcast," love to connect. Um, always down to extend my network. You know, whether it's the Bay Area, whether it's you know, national as well. I'm, I'm sure we're gonna get a lot of national viewers, right, Sean? So um, yes, feel free to connect. Love to build my network up. As you know, Emilio Mendoza. You could type in Sigma as well. I should pop up there. Um, but happy to connect. Throw me a note. Love to connect offline as well. Always down to hop on Zooms and network, right? So feel free to add me on LinkedIn and we can always start there.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, I I think I speak for both Mike and I when we say thank you so much, man. We learned so much from you. Um, Hopefully a lot of other people did today too and that's like really the point of this whole podcast. So uh, for the Sales Empowerment Podcast, that's going to be a wrap and you can find us on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find us at optonal.com. You can also find us on Instagram at and TikTok at getoptonal as our uh, username. So, all right, until next time, everybody else, have a great rest of your day.